0: Okay, during a children's church lesson one Sunday morning, the children learned about how God had created human beings. One particular young boy became especially focused when the teacher explained how how Eve was created from one of Adam's ribs. Well, later that week, the boy's mother saw him lying down on the floor with a painful look on his face, holding his side. So she asked him, she says, honey, are you all right? What's wrong? And the little boy replied, I'm not sure, mom. I have a terrible pain in my side. I think I might be getting a wife. (laughs) Amen. My wife even thought that was funny, and I didn't get anything thrown at me. So praise God for that, right from the mouth of a child. Well, it was... uh, It was three years ago, roughly three years ago, that I shared with you for the first time our vision as a church that would take the next 20 years to complete. We called it Vision 2040. And a lot has happened in only three short years to propel us towards this vision. When I first preached through this vision, I had no clue how it would ever come to pass. We were in a difficult spot as a church. I've talked about that before. But not only that, but the vision for me at that time was about a 30,000 foot view. So I seen it, but I did not completely understand how it all tied together. I didn't understand myself how it was all going to work. And that's oftentimes, in my experience, how God works. You see, He will give you a dream or a vision that is rather broad, Meaning you won't have a lot of the details on how it's going to come to pass. You will see the finish line. He will oftentimes show you the finish line, but you will not see the steps along the way. You won't see the journey. And I understand that because if he showed you the journey of chasing a vision or a dream, you would see all of the disappointments. You would see all of the setbacks. You would see all of the heartbreaks along the way. And if God showed us that ahead of time, we may never start. So our job is to take the vision that he has given us and to start moving in the general direction of the vision, being faithful with what he has already placed in our hands. And that's what we talked about last week when we talked about chasing the dream. If you missed that message, go online and listen to it. It's a great foundational message for this this vision series. So as we're faithful with what he's given us and we move forward, we start to get more details and the vision starts to become a little clearer. And that is what's happened to me over the past three years. We were just simply faithful with what he's given us and so now today I'm starting to see these pieces fit together and the overall thing has become a bit clearer. For instance, I now see that the letter F of this vision, which we're talking about today, is actually a part of the letter H, which is the Dream Center, and we'll talk about that later. I did not see that three years ago. So Vision 2040 is five things I'm believing God for for the year for the year 2040. Like I said last week, I have been praying and believing that God would send people into this church with a like heart and a like mind, people with the same vision. So if you are in this church, you are an answer to my prayer. Sorry about that, but I've been praying for you. And I believe every one of you in this room has a part to play in seeing this vision unfold. It doesn't look the same for everybody. With a vision as big as this to transform our city, there's no sitting on the bench watching everybody else play. Everybody's on the field. Some of you are on the field serving hands-on. Others are on the field. You're praying and you're encouraging others, but we need everybody on the field. And I believe God has sent you here for such a time as this. I believe he's bringing more people that have a heart for a positive change in our city because God uses people to accomplish his work. Ordinary people just like you and I. So today we're going to revisit the letter F in this vision. We're using an acronym, a five-letter word to lay this out. If you were here three years ago, you remember this, but the acronym is FAITH. F-A-I-T-H, and every letter represents a different part of the vision. So here we go, the letter F. I'm going to start by reading one passage of Scripture to you that is found in Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 10. I want to read this particular verse as a foundation to this message because as you will see very quickly, we have seen this truth, we have seen this promise that we're about to read fulfilled right before our very eyes, especially over this past year. So here we go, Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 10. says, feed the hungry and help those in trouble. That's the command. God's given us a command. Feed the hungry and help those that are in trouble. Then... Here's the transition. This tells us that this is there's a condition. There's a conditional promise. He's about ready to give us a promise. But the fulfillment of the promise hinges on us completing the first part. So feed the hungry. Help those in trouble. Then here comes the promise of God, the conditional promise. Your light will shine out from the darkness. And the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. Father, for the next few moments, I just ask that you would give me the mind of Christ. I ask, God, that you would anoint this message today, God. For, Lord, what we're speaking on today, we have literally watched you fulfill this promise right in front of us. And so, God, this should be a confirmation and an encouragement to us today to keep moving forward in the direction that we are. And we thank you, God, for your direction. We thank you, God, for wisdom and so, Lord, I just pray, Father, today that people, when they leave this place, are not the same as when they, walk, than when they walked in, that they're challenged, that they are different, not from what I say, God, but what you speak to them. And so, in Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Amen. I remember when I was just a little boy, I lived in a rundown apartment complex, small town of Oskaloosa, Iowa, a town of about ten to 12,000 people. My mother was on her fourth marriage at this time, and she was married to a man that was addicted to drugs. His, my mother didn't use drugs prior to, but his use of drugs obviously influenced my mother, and so that she she became a user as well. And this became a very common sight in my home. I would, my stepdad, uh, he would, he, there'd be times that he would blow marijuana smoke into my face, trying to get me stoned, and he would laugh. I would see. Uh, things snorted off of little pieces of glass and all these different things I would see. But rather than money being used to provide the basic necessities of food, it was used on drugs. And so food in our home was very scarce. And I, I've told this some of this before. But I remember many times the only meal I got was the meal at school and there'd be nothing to eat for breakfast or dinner. Not even, Not, not even I remember the days there wasn't even a simple loaf of bread. And I remember that when we did have bread sometimes, the gnats were so bad and they would get into the bread. And then, you know, when you're hungry, you're hungry though. And weekends were sometimes very tough. And I remember those hunger pains all too well. Well, every Wednesday and every, every Wednesday evening, every Sunday morning, there was a church bus that would pull into that apartment complex and invite, they would invite all the neighborhood kids to come to church. And, and I would oftentimes board that bus along with all these other kids, and head off to church. I didn't get a meal when I was there, but more often than not, they would give me something to snack on, so just for that I was grateful. And I remember one day very vividly. It was a Sunday afternoon, and there was a knock at the door. My mother opened the door, and there stood a few members of that church, along with the captain of the bus I rode, and they were carrying about six bags of groceries. They simply came in, and they placed them on the floor, and they told us that they loved us, And my mother was just in tears. And I will never forget that moment. We'd been given food before by other people, certain family members, grandparents, friends, etc. But there was something about this one time, about this memory, that is still etched into my memory today. And it kind of puzzled me at the time because I didn't remember telling anybody we had no food. But here was my bus captain delivering food Perhaps someone told them or perhaps they seen the need, but nonetheless, here they were. No strings attached, nothing expected in return. They were simply loving on a family that could never do anything to repay them. And I bet today if you asked that bus captain if they remember delivering food to my doorstep, they would say, no, but for me, I remember. I remember being so excited digging through those bags of groceries. If you've ever been in this situation, you understand what I'm talking about. I would say the feeling is similar to waking up on Christmas morning, but instead of a bunch of presents, you have food. And typically, this is tough for us to understand because when we think of people starving, we think of people in other countries where the poverty rate is the highest. We don't think much about people here in our own backyard because this is America, This is the land of the free, this is the home of the brave, this is land, the land of great wealth and opportunity, and America is known around the world for its prosperity, but there are people here in America tonight that will go to sleep not knowing where their next meal will come from or what it will be. There's people here in our very own city, the city of Green Bay, that will fall asleep tonight and they will toss and turn because they cannot ignore the hunger pains. This includes little children, it includes the parents, and it includes the elderly. Stats of elderly going without food are alarming as many times these precious people have very limited resources. According to the United Way of Brown County, right here in our own backyard, Green Bay, searches on their website for food and clothing is one of the top on the list other searches that are top on the list are for housing and shelter assistance. We get a lot of calls for that throughout the work the, the week as well. Mental health services and counseling services. This is a fairly new one that has risen substantially since COVID and transportation also made their list of top searches. These are the problems, the greatest problems our city is facing and I wonder what if God would use this church to solve the greatest problems of our city. What if God would call call us, to use us, an ordinary group of people to do an extraordinary work that literally transforms a city. Do you believe that can happen? I'm going to tell you something, if you don't believe it, or those, those of you that have been in here a while, you believe it more now than you did three years ago, I guarantee you, it, because we have watched this happen right before our very eyes. But with this in mind, I've had people say to me over the years, Pastor, why are you so concerned with meeting the physical needs of people? Why are you so concerned about meeting the temporary need Because in light of eternity, everything that we face on this earth is insignificant. And pastor, we need to be more concerned about the spiritual need and not so much the physical need. Now, what they're saying actually makes sense, and I know a lot of churches, I have a lot of friends that are big on this. They, they say, no, we're about the spiritual need only, and they completely ignore the, the physical need, and, but you, you can't really argue what they're saying is true, because look at what James says in James chapter 4 and verse 14, he says, what is your life, for you are a mist That appears for a little time and then vanishes. Imagine spraying something out of an aerosol can. It's a mist and then it's gone. And that's what our life is being compared to. In the light of eternity, in the light of forever, our life right here on this earth is like a mist. So take the argument of not taking care of the physical need is a valid one. In light of eternity, why does it even matter? Well, to answer that question, the question of the importance of meeting the physical need, we just need to go back and look at the life and the ministry of Jesus. I don't think any of us would argue that the most important thing to Jesus was the human soul. You see, Jesus was whipped, He was beaten, He was spit on, He was mocked, He was nailed to a cross, not so our bellies could be full, He was murdered for the human soul. The penalty for sin is death. He loves us so much that He chose to die on the cross in our place so that we can be reconciled to Him for eternity. So the most important thing to God is the human soul. But with that being said, if you read the Gospels, you'll see something very odd. You'll see that Jesus took care of the physical needs of people. As a matter of fact, his miracles, we just sang the God of miracles, his miracles were in the ones that we talk about today were in response to physical needs being met. Feeding people, healing people, etc. So we see over and over again Jesus taking care of physical needs. Now why do you suppose that is? If the most important thing to God is eternity, if the most important thing to God is the human soul, why would He be so concerned about the flesh? Why would He, God, be so concerned about that which is temporary? I'm gonna tell you why. Because He loves us and He knows that the physical need is what's most important to us. And I've talked about that before. You see, God sees the bigger picture. He understands how we work. He created us. Eternity was on his mind, but he knew that the door to speaking to the spiritual need within a person rested within the ability to reach the physical need. And that's what we see time and time again. People would come to him as they witnessed the miracles. Now, with that thought in mind, look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 24. Very interesting. He says, again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel, think of how big a camel is, to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, this is interesting. Why do you suppose that is? Is it because they have a lot of money? Absolutely not. I know some very wealthy people, and they are some of the most God-fearing people on the planet. We have some of them in this room right here. The point Jesus is trying to make is simply this. Someone with great resources usually has less physical need than someone with small resources. You see, they usually don't have to worry about where their next meal's coming from. They don't have to worry about the power getting shut off in their home. They don't have to worry about sleeping in the car unless they make their wife mad. There's less physical need. So they're harder to reach with the love of God. Jesus doesn't say it's impossible. He just says it's extremely difficult. But typically what happens is a physical need will eventually rise up within their life. It might be a health issue. It might be a marital issue, whatever it might be. And it's the presence of that physical need that will oftentimes lower their defense, allowing us to now address the spiritual need, which is most important. We like to call this hitting rock bottom. So God knows that the physical need is what's important to us. And there's an old saying that goes like this, I don't care how much you know until I know how much you care. If we really want to change our city, change Green Bay, the spiritual need has to be addressed. But the spiritual need is only going to be addressed by first taking care of the physical need. And that's what we've seen over the last three years. As I told you last week, our weekly reach has grown from about 150 people three years ago to more than 1,000 now. 1,000 people we're reaching on a weekly basis through our feeding programs, food pantry, and things like that. More than 1,000 people a week we are able to minister to now because we have taken care of the physical need. Meeting a physical need in itself isn't going to change our city But meeting the spiritual need will change our city. But the door to meet the spiritual need is oftentimes open through meeting the physical need. Think about just a few short weeks ago. Perfect example. Back to school bash. People poured into this building. Why? Because we were meeting a physical need. School supplies, haircuts, clothing. That's why people came. They didn't come because I said, I'm going to preach a good sermon. I wouldn't have had anybody here. But we were supplying a physical need. We were meeting a physical need. And what was the result of that? It opened the door to the spiritual need. And hundreds of people stood to receive Christ that day. You see, when God changes the hearts of the people, the heart of the city will change And that's why we're going to be aggressive going after the kids and the youth on our buses. And we're going to talk about that more next week when we discuss the letter A. Lynn is going to preach next week. I'm going to let her talk about the importance of the buses. Trust me, you don't want to miss next week. If you can't make it, make sure you're watching online. Some of you have never heard her story before. It's phenomenal. But in the Gospels, we constantly see Jesus meeting the physical needs of people. He fed the hungry. He healed the sick. What was the result? People followed him by the masses. The sick would come to him. The poor would come to him. Why? Because he's meeting the physical need. And meeting the physical need would open the door and allow him to address what he was really after. The spiritual need. Because of this, meeting the physical need is a big deal to God. Taking care of the poor and the hungry and the needy is a big deal to God. Listen to this. I could list hundreds of these scriptures. Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him. For his deed. Proverbs 14.31, whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. Proverbs 22.9, whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. This isn't just for churches. This is for you as an individual as well. There's something about taking care of other people that can never pay you back that gets the attention of God. Because there's nothing in it for you. A lot of times we like to take care of people's needs and we want to become their friend because there's something we want from them. Instead of just loving on them, knowing there's nothing you could ever do to repay me. Proverbs 28, 27: Whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. First John chapter 3, verse 17. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children. Let us not love in word or talk. Basically, don't just talk about it, but let us love in deed and truth. Do something. Hundreds of scriptures, again, that I could quote in reference to this. Taking care of the physical need is important to God, and that's exactly what we started to do as a church. We started to take care of the physical needs of the people of the city, fulfilling the letter F in this vision, which is simply feed and clothe the hurting. And three years ago when I preached on this, I would close my eyes and I would see a building somewhere here in the city that would be used as a food resource for hungry people. A place where people of all ages could come and they could pick up food for their family, no questions asked. I didn't want to make people jump through a bunch of hoops because they're hurting enough. I just wanted to serve them. I just wanted to love them. And some have asked, won't people take advantage of you doing that? Yes, they will take advantage of me, and they have taken advantage of me. And I know they have. There's no way you can avoid that. But I also understand that if we want to be a bridge to our community, we have to understand that we're going to get walked on from time to time, and it's as simple as that. I also seen this future building as a place where people could come and be fed on a daily basis, served a hot meal again, no questions asked. And I'm still praying and believing God for this building today, but I remember standing before you three years ago and laying out the plan for Thanksgiving that year and the launch of our pantry. We didn't have a pantry at that time. We decided that year we were going to move the meal to Sunday after church because we were going to give people a chance to hear the gospel. We always did it on Thanksgiving Day. In addition to this, if you remember, we were going to do our first food drive, and we were going to do our very first food giveaway on Thanksgiving Day three years ago, and I said, I don't care if we have enough food to give away five bags of groceries, we have to start somewhere. You guys responded, and responded big, and you brought in food to give away, and that year we were able to give away several bags of food for that Thanksgiving service, and that's where it started And I remember we had three shelves of food in the copy room and we kept the food on those shelves and much of the time they were empty. 2019, the ministry continued to grow and more donations started to come in. And over the course of the year, we were able to provide 645 bags of groceries to families. Our pantry at that time was open every other weekend, so twice a month, but we could see it slowly growing. And then COVID hit. Everything was shutting down. Does everybody remember COVID? (laughs) I'll never forget that Sunday, March 15th, 2020. I will never, that day will be etched in my mind for the rest of my life. It was our last in-person service for several months, a couple months, two and a half months. And I remember there being so much fear and uncertainty it was, it was like a great blanket of darkness had cover, covered our city, and I had no clue what to do. I, I still have no clue what to do, but I remember only sleeping a few hours over the course of a few days, and I was so tired. Everything was shutting down, fear and uncertainty all over the place. But I have learned over the years that it is in these seasons of the greatest darkness that the light of Christ has the potential to shine the brightest. The darker the hour, the greater the light. And so I begin to pray and I, God, what am I supposed to do? I don't know what to do. Nobody knows what to do. And it was during this time that I felt like God was telling me not to shut the doors. Instead, I, was, I felt like he was telling me to open the door seven days a week nonstop to feed the people of our city. I felt like he said, I want you to feed people seven days a week. In the season that's coming up, I want you to take care of the physical need. And after service that morning, March 15th, everyone was gone. I walked back into the pantry, and I looked at the half-empty shelves, and I remember saying, I was arguing with God, God, we don't have enough food to last very long. I don't know if you see this or not. Is the roof blocking your view? Furthermore, we don't have the money to pull this off. Have you seen our bank account? You want, to send, you want me to send you a link? Besides, God, we're in a pandemic. The giving's probably going to drop because people are out of work, which is going to make this worse. God, I also am going to have to schedule several... We'll always have excuses. I'm going to have to schedule several volunteers every day. And do you understand right now that people are nervous about being around other people? And I remember the feelings of intense fear that I was battling. I remember thinking... True, I'm going to look like the biggest fool in this city. Saying we're going to open seven days a week and not even having enough food on our shelves the last two days, people are going to laugh at me and I'm going to be the joke of the city. This has failure written all over it. But, it, but I felt, I felt, I felt as good as I can hear God speaking to me, that God told me if you're faithful to give away the little you have, the little that I've already blessed you with, I will bless you with more just be faithful with what i've given you. And you see as we were entering a we were entering a dark season but the church had the light. And i realized this is not the time to lock our doors and shovel shove our light under a bowl. This is an opportunity for our light as a church to shine the brightest and so that's what we did. The announcement was made, we were going to open our doors seven days a week to feed the people of our community. We would also deliver food to those that were sick and could not get out. And as we gave the food away, those that were here in this building building will testify to this. We watched the food multiply before our very eyes. Because God, out of the blue, he gave us the Costco donations. He gave us Fresh Time donations. He gave us Starbucks donations. He gave us Aldi donations. He gave us Sara Lee donations. People begin to give towards it. Kids of the church did fundraisers to raise money for it. And we never once ran out of food. Never once. Dear Lord, we came close. And there were times, and Jill will testify to this, that we had no food and we were, we just got a miracle (laughs) delivery that day and we were literally bagging food before we had to take them out because we had no food and we were opening at four o'clock that afternoon. And by the way of a miracle, food would come in and then we would have to bag on the fly. It was incredible. We ran 66 days in a row, seven days a week and never once ran out of food. We gave away what we had, and God provided more, but he did not provide more until we gave away what he'd already given us. And our food pantry's huge now. We're not small fry anymore, only handing out a few bags a week. Listen to this. 2019, do you remember what I said? We gave away 645 bags of groceries, bags of food. Last year, 2020, we gave away more than 14,000 bags of food. And that's just the bags. We made a th- more than 1,000, I think it was like 1,400 deliveries. Praise God to all of our volunteers that did that, man. I tell you what, I don't, I don't even know how we did it. That doesn't include the thousands and thousands of items that we can't put into the bags because they're so big. Things like large packages of meat, pies and cakes that are donated, etc. If you would have told me the ministry would have taken off like that in just one year, during a pandemic, I would have thought you were nuts. We went from running twice a month in 2019 to today running consistently three times a week. In addition, our clothing closets taken off. We converted one of our buses into a mobile clothing closet last summer, the summer of COVID, and we've given away thousands of articles of clothing over the past year. At our back-to-school bash a couple months ago, the chapel was packed with clothing, and that was just some of it. Our closet is bigger now than it's ever been and it's serving more people than it ever has and God just keeps providing and He's doing it through you. And I remember three years ago praying and believing God for key connections and food donations and look at what He has done. I remember praying and believing God for a pantry director to run the thing and God brought us the best. God brought us Jill Greenwood and he has placed tremendous favor upon her. Jill, you want to get up here and say a word? Yeah. (laughs) She's. Some of you don't know this, but she's providing guidance for the other pantries in town now in in our city. It's truly amazing what God has done. Today, our food pantry is to the place where we're currently maxed in our current facility. Can you believe that? Our pantry has outgrown our building. I never thought I would say that. Right now, our building is what is limiting the growth of our pantry. We are maximizing every space we have. Our clothing closet has outgrown our building. We're only able to set up a fraction of the clothes that we have each week. We don't have the space. We have no space left for refrigerators or freezers unless I bring them in here and plug them in on the stage. And I've thought about it. But then I'd have people coming up here eating when I'm preaching. (laughs) So, I'm believing God for that building. And I know it's His in His time. We talked about that last week. We need a building in a strategic location here in our city to get the most impact, to serve the most amount of people. We have been faithful with what God has given us, but we have outgrown it. So, today I'm praying God, we need a miracle. And it's a pretty big request, but we serve a pretty big God. And I want you to know the pieces. Amen. The pieces are starting to fall into place. You see, because today I see something I didn't see three years ago when we went through this vision for the first time. You see, today I see that our food pantry and clothing closet will one day transition out of here. And I won't have so many stains to clean up on the carpet. But instead of being in their own separate facility, and that was the original dream, they are actually going to become a part of and even be the launch of the letter H of this vision which is heal the broken. This will be what God has done with our pantry and closet will be the catalyst that launches our Dream Center. They're already established. They have a good reputation in our city. And I'm working with the Dream Center of Los Angeles right now regarding the legal side of the Dream Center here in our city. I have a conference call with them this Thursday afternoon. It's in the process now, and I had no clue how it was going to come to pass, but I see it now. The vision is becoming clearer. Many dream centers have started with just a simple food pantry, and then they add ministries to it as they continue to grow, and they, they get more resources. That's how the dream center of Tulsa, Oklahoma started. They started by giving out food. Obviously, the goal one day is to start housing people and bringing them in, but they just started. We're going to start with what God's given us. He's given us food. Let's start handing out food. They were blessing their community with food, and they realized that the school system in the area that they were planted in had a high dropout rate. So they seen a need, and they said, we're going to bring solutions. We're not just going to talk about it. That's what a dream center does, and that's what we're going to do. There's enough people talking about problems. We're not going to talk about problems. We're going to do something to solve the problems of our city for the glory of God. But they opened their doors to these troubled kids and teens. And they started offering tutoring to them. And now today, years later, they have single-handedly flipped the dropout rate. And they are a major influence in their city. They just simply took what God gave them and they used it. They provided solutions to what their city was facing. Sam, if I could have you come back. Again, I read this earlier in this message, but here is Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 10 again. It says, feed the hungry, help those in trouble. This applies to you personally as well, not just a church. We're taking it from a church scope today. But this applies to you personally. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. People that can never pay you back. Then, here's the promise. Then your light will shine out from the darkness. And the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. We as a church have fed the hungry We have helped those in trouble, and now look at what has happened. Look at what God has done. God, not us, has caused the light He has given us to shine and penetrate through the darkness. We now in this church are seeing souls saved. We're seeing people set free, the testimonies I get. We're seeing people healed. And I believe God is just getting started I believe we've not seen anything yet for the glory of God and God has called you to join us and be a part of it. To be a part of changing our city. Can I have you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, I just want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you, God, for this promise that we have literally seen fulfilled right in front of us. God, I know, Lord, that you've got got big things in store, not only for this church, but for the people in here, God, and you've brought them here for such a time as this, everyone that's in this place today. And so, God, I pray, Lord, as we get ready to leave this place, that this week, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to everyone. God, reveal to them what their part in all of this is going to be. For some, maybe it's praying, it's encouraging. For others, maybe it's a bus, maybe it's serving meals, maybe it's cleaning somewhere, a lot of different things. But God, we all play a part. And so God, I just pray, Lord, that that you would speak to, even right now, God, that you would speak to individuals, speak to people right where they're at. And what you have for them to see this vision come to pass. Because I can't do this on my own. You know that. I need people. And you've brought them. And so God, together, we will see a positive change in this city for for your glory, for your honor. And then we will look back and not say, look at what we have done. But we will look back and say, look at what God has done. And we thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Now keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. As I said earlier, the most important thing to God is the human soul. It is not His will that any should perish apart from Him. But we all have to make our own choice. And so I don't know why you are here today. I don't know if you're here because you just need something to eat. I don't know if you're here because you need clothing. I don't know if you rode the bus in here. I don't know if you came in with a friend. I I don't know why you're here, but... I do know this much that God brought you here and He wanted you here and He wanted you sitting in the seat that you are right now for this moment right here. You see, I believe that there's some people in here and you don't have God in your life. You need God in your life and you need Him in your life bad. Your life is falling apart. You need a miracle. Maybe for some of you, you've wandered away from God. Maybe before you surrendered your life to Him, but you've walked away. I want you to know that God is waiting for you to return. Just like the prodigal that we see Jesus tell of in the the Gospels. The prodigal son comes home. Maybe that's you. Maybe you have wandered away, and today is the day that you return to Jesus. Maybe you're in here today, and you've never invited Jesus Christ into your heart. But you feel right now like there's a tug on your heart. You feel like I'm talking to you right now. I'm telling you, that's the Holy Spirit working on you, drawing you. That's God talking to you. And you could choose to ignore that, or you could choose to follow that leading and that prompting. So if that's you, I want to pray with you before we leave here today. If you're in here and you say, Pastor, I need God in my life. Whether you've walked away from him or whether you're brand new, you're saying, "God, Pastor, I need God in my life. I need him to transform me. I'm ready to surrender everything that, I, everything that I am to him. If that's you, I want to pray with you. And just so I know who I'm praying for, what I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I want you to lift your hand into the air so I want to see who I'm praying with. On the count of three... I want you to lift your hand, and we're going to pray. We're going to invite Jesus Christ to come into our life to change us and transform us. All over this place, no one's looking around. Every head bowed and every eye is closed. One, two, three. Right now, just put them up. Put them up. Yes, I see them in the back. Thank you, God. The side over here. Thank you, Jesus. Two over here on the side. Way over here. Yes, several hands are going up right now. God, you are so good. You can put your hands down. Now, those of you that just lifted your hand, I want you to listen to me very carefully. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say a prayer right now. I'm going to say it slowly because I want you to repeat this out loud after me. Those of you that didn't lift your hand, I encourage you to say this with them to encourage them. But the Word of God says that if we confess with our mouth, speak it, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we believe in our heart that He rose from the dead, that we will be saved you can walk out of this place today brand new holding on to the hand of your god so we're going to say this together loud and strong dear heavenly father i come to you today and i confess that i'm a sinner i have sinned against heaven i've sinned against you today jesus i invite you To come into my life or my Lord and I surrender to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said...